We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast Company on Monday morning, October 24th, after the Wolves 116-106 win over the Thunder on Sunday night. And the plan for today's show is to discuss how that third game kind of continued what we thought were trends through the first two games of the season and, and to also just kind of discuss anything new that popped in the game. My guest to do that today will be Chris Hine, Wolves beat writer from the Star Tribune, and I'll bring Chris on here in a few minutes, but I'm going to start this episode solo. As I mentioned a few times the preseason this year, I will no longer be doing those solo night of game recap pods that I've been doing for the past two seasons, just trying to move a little bit more towards doing episodes with uh, the other Wolves media members, guest episodes, and also helps me not stay up so late at night. But I will kind of miss doing some of those solo deepish dive type things. So the plan is to mix in many sort of film review things at the beginning of episodes here and there before before I bring the guest on. And I'll start that today uh, with a mini dive into Jalen Noel's film through the first three games of this season. Um, before we get to that, just one quick housekeeping thing uh, before Noel. And that's just a reminder that I will be recording a live show at Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis on November 3rd which is somehow, somehow already next Thursday. Uh, the plan is to start recording that live show in the tap room at 7 p.m. that evening. But we'll also sort of do a, a happy hour or whatever, meet and greet sort of thing at 6 p.m. if you want to come through a little bit earlier. So that is Falling Knife Brewing Company at 6 p.m. on November 3rd, live show at 7 p.m. Just come have a couple beers, talk some Wolves, other Wolves fans, myself. And also, just as a reminder, Falling Knife is showing all of the, the Wolves games live in their tap room on all their TVs. They got a projector. The sound is on. So if you are looking for a place on game night to go watch the Wolves, do check out Falling Knife in Northeast Minneapolis. And I will see you there on November 3rd. All right. So let's uh, let's get into Jalen Noel. I wanted to do this first dive on Noel because we kind of knew it would be different for Jalen this season, right? Like, we, but we didn't know exactly how it would, be, it would be different. And I think we've seen through the first three games, first and foremost, the biggest thing we've seen that's different is Noel has a consistent role, you know, something he never really had in his first three seasons in Minnesota. He played 18 minutes in the opener. He played 20 minutes against Utah. And then last night, 
against the Thunder. He played 24 minutes. And I'm actually glad we're doing this after the, the third game, that Thunder game, because if it had just been the first two games, we'd been like, everything's perfect with Noel. This is, he got the big roll. Boom. Noel's like fixed. He's the guy. But I think that Thunder game kind of actually helps us accentuate what works best, what is happening when Noel is on the floor and it's working best. And, you know, because last night was a little bit clunkier for Noel. He was he was four of ten from two point range, one of six from deep, which was a pretty big departure from his performance in the first two games. So I don't know the question, what was different? What looked different that made this a little bit clunkier for Noel? And what I've seen, not just with Noel, but with the Wolves as a whole offensively this season, is that the best offense has come from when the point guard sort of gets like a hockey assist. And when they start the possession, they move the ball, and then the ball moves again quickly again for a clean look. I think the easiest sort of possession to envision here is that first cat to Rudy lob of the season in the opener. You remember Ant starts initiating initiating that possession on the left side of the floor. Rudy comes and sets the inside screen for him. Ant goes left, swings the ball to Cat up top. Cat takes an attack dribble. One step, lob to Rudy for the dunk. Pass, pass, score. Again, hockey assist to Ant. Those have, through the first three games, those type of possessions have hands down been the Wolves' best offensive possessions through the three games. And it's kind of like, you know, Finch says flow all the time. I think that type of possession is emblematic of what he means by flow. And what I've noticed going back and when I was going back to rewatch the Jalen Noel possessions and just rewatching these games is that so many of those pass, pass, score possessions include Jalen Noel. And, and what I think is particularly helpful about Noel or why they're happening most with, with when Noel is on the floor is that Noel can kind of play any of those three links of the chain, right? He can initiate the action. We've seen that plenty this season and before that. He can also be the second in the chain, you know, delivering the assist. He's had just a couple of like quick, crisp dimes. Like the ball gets swung to him, half a second, balls out of his hands. I loved one play where I think it was J-Mac initiating on top. Rudy sets a screen for him high. Ball goes to Noel. Um, above the break on the right side and it's like it touches Jalen's right hand and immediately comes out of his right hand and it's Rudy diving to the basket on a cut for a clean dunk that's that second that's the second pass of the link and then there's obviously the score one and we know we know Noel can be a possession finisher we've seen plenty of that you know as both a knockdown shooter and as a finisher at the rim and that's what's really stood out with Noel that the same thing that always sort of sticks out is that that last link is as his strongest one, just how he gets buckets. He's doing it more consistently this year. And part of that is, is due to a consistent role, but you know, there, there's other, there's other pieces involved in that as well. I asked Nas Reed after last night's game, where he's seen the most, the most growth in, in Noel this season. And this is what Nas had to say. Nas, you came onto this team four years ago with Jalen Noel. This is his first time he's really getting that consistent night in, night out opportunity. I think he's averaged like 15 a night. Uh, where have you seen the most growth from him? His mental. Like, when we first came in, he was kind of like me. Like, we were kind of like each other. 
And it, I think it's meant to like to just, you know, go out there and do what he do. And that's your focus. Like, and he knows that. And everybody else knows that. So it's like once he gets the ball, it's like just be you, Dylan. Like, don't overthink the game. Don't overthink, you know, whatever you have to do. Just do what you got to do. And you know what you got to do. So I, I would say it's mental. The mental element of continually not getting an opportunity in his first three seasons, I think, clearly weighed on Noel, right? I mean, we know there's been a frustration there. And I, I don't know if you've all seen this yet. It came out on, on Monday morning. Sham Sarania from The Athletic uh, reported that Jalen Noel is not looking to sign a contract extension midseason with the Wolves and wants to test unrestricted free agency uh, this summer. And for for the Wolves, if they don't get an extension done, they'll, you know, they're now going to need to compete with the other 29 teams in the league to to have Noel on the team going forward. And I think what will ultimately determine whether or not the Wolves are willing to pony up to pay Noel for them, I think what they're going to need to weigh, what they are going to weigh is how Noel's defense grows this year. A season ago, Noel graded out as a third percentile defender, according to defensive estimated plus minus. Uh, that was demonstrably the worst on the team last year. D'Angelo Russell was the next lowest, and he was significantly higher than third percentile. He was 23rd percentile. So with Noel, that's what we're looking for from him this year, that defensive growth. I asked Finch before last night's game about Noel's defense thus far this season, and this is what Finch had to say. Chris, what has uh, stood out to you about Jalen Noel as a defender thus far this season? Yeah, he's uh, loves effort. He's, his, phys his physicality, I think he's one of our more aggressive on-ball physical defenders. His uh, foul rate is, is up a little bit from where he had gotten to, which is something we told him he needs to watch. But I do like how he's competing and being physical. And, uh, and, and, and actually, you know, he's one of our better, like, box out guys really uh even though he's given up a lot of a lot of mass sometimes it is pretty interesting if you go back and watch noel's defensive possessions this season how physical he is playing i tweeted out a clip after the jazz game that i think is a pretty good example of noel's physicality thus far this year where he's he's his primary matchup is laurie markinen a, a seven footer he's guarding him on the perimeter and then on that same possession Noel gets switched off of him and finishes the possession with a strong, like, box out rebound over. I think it was Kelly Olinick, who's another seven footer. If you if you want to check that out, just scroll down um, on my Twitter feed a little bit. But the real crazy thing to me going back this morning and watching the the defensive possessions is I, I that I didn't really notice in the moment is that Noel is that wasn't just like one possession on Laurie Markkinen. He has consistently been guarding guys significantly bigger than he is. On primary matchups, you know, Noel has had to guard Lou Dort a lot, who, I mean, they're about the same height, but Dort probably has 25-plus pounds on him. In the Jazz game, Noel was guarding Talon Horton Tucker, and, you know, THT probably has 30 pounds on him. And then, yeah, also against Utah was marking in 7-footer Olenek uh, as a primary matchup at one point, uh, another 7-footer, just when the Jazz went really big and they had they had a big guy at on the wing at kind of small forward. and. What Noel has shown in all those matchups is physicality. You know, being physical isn't going to solve all of Noel's defensive issues, but for him and also D'Lo, you know, who both kind of struggled to guard on ball last season, a great place to start is with being physical. And I think we've seen that from Noel. 
you know, the bucket getting is great. We know that about Noel, but can he also compete defensively while giving up size? Can he be physical? Can he defend without fouling? Can he rebound it a little? Those have been the things that have always held Noel out of a consistent role through the first three seasons. And I think part of the reason Noel has gotten the consistent 20 minutes a night through these first three games is because Finch does see growth on that side of the floor. It's a reason why we haven't seen much Austin Rivers. We're going into the year we were talking about, you know, maybe Rivers does cut into Noel's minutes some because he can be a perimeter defender. Well, Noel's acquitting himself well enough thus far to clearly have a role well ahead of Austin Rivers on this team. And if Noel can get buckets and guard some, the Wolves will really need to consider paying up this summer so as to keep him from going to one of the other 29 teams in the league. It's going to be, this is going to be something to track throughout the year. Noel is going to be a very important player on this team this season, but how and where he thrives, where he creates a role, how he helps his teammates, how he helps the group as a whole is going to determine whether or not Jalen Noel is a long-term piece on this Timberwolves team. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I will be back with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune to focus more on sort of what specifically went down in Oklahoma City on Sunday night. This episode is brought to you by Land & Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel, and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land & Lore is made with all-natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land & Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land & Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit, and I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before, but now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at landandlore.com. That's L A N D L O R E.com. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Recent studies show that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. If your father was 30 when you were born, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his are. Low testosterone can have all types of health effects on men. It can cause you to lose muscle mass in your body. It can affect your mood, your memory, and even your sex drive. Let's Get Checked is a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone tests let you easily test your testosterone levels. These results are reviewed by a clinician. Once your sample is in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Let's Get Checked labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, Visit trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. Or look for that link and promo code in the show notes of this episode. That's trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. 
All right. I am now joined by Timberwolves beat writer Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Chris, I just did a little segment before I brought you on about Jalen Noel's first three games this season. And I think that topic kind of ties into the topic that that won last night's game in Oklahoma City. I think if we're looking for a topic that both highlights why the Wolves won last night and also kind of highlights some of the early growing pains of this Cat Gobert experiment, right? Like, this is the topic to, to start by discussing that that five man lineup that did not have Cat or Gobert on the floor that you know won them the game. Finch again went with small with Nas, Prince, Ant, Noel, and J Mac. You you actually wrote about this lineup before last night's game over the, over the weekend. What has just sort of how much does this lineup even being out there surprise you? Let alone um, it being kind of the Wolves' best lineup thus far. I mean, in some ways, it, it's what they did was not surprising um, because this is kind of how it was last year. If you, you know, if you remember the the way in which the offense took shape and took off last year was when the COVID absences happened. The bench got to play significant minutes. They kind of laid the groundwork for what the offense is supposed to look like. And then after that, everybody else caught on. So, so this group, you know, playing offense the way we're kind of accustomed to seeing this team play offense the last the last twelve ish months, not that big of a surprise to me. Um, and related to Jalen Noel, before uh, that fourth quarter last night, he was two for nine. Looked like he was, you know, forcing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely was trying almost almost one against five in some some instances. You, you watch the clips, but just watching it live, I thought, man, he's he's really trying hard, and he ended up going two for nine. And then in the fourth quarter, he was three for seven. Yep. Um, in the in the structure of that offense, much much better, obviously. So not that surprised that that that, that unit played as well as it did uh, with the extended minutes that it had. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said last year, it was it was sort of the same thing where it was a group that relied on a little bit more ball movement and it looked like a group that had played together more. And I remember, I think it was you actually who who asked Nas this, but but he kind of explained and encapsulated why I think that works so well. Here's here's Nas on that five man lineup. How do you feel of the playing with that group and why do you think that one does work so well for you guys? I mean, that group that we've been that has been in is one that group was in Iowa together, um, and me, Jalen, uh, J Max, and you know Nate coming in. Using, you know, we've all been a part of the system. We all we're all like friends, like best friends outside of the basketball. So it all gelled. It all just compared to compared to one, and you know, it's just it's just we just get the job done. We know the uh, the stakes and things like that when we're out there. So, oh, my voice sounded a lot like John Krasinski's in that clip. <laughs> yes, that was John Krasinski. That was error. Um, but I mean that that kind of it, it's it's interesting to juxtapose that against um, the starters who do not look like they've been playing together for for four years or played together in in the G League previously. And I think the right the glass half full idea is that the starters once, you know, the transitive property suggests that once they get more time, there will be more of that continuity. 
how, how do you feel about like that idea or we know it's going to get better for the starting group, but, but how long right. does it take, do we think for the, the chemistry of that group to, you know, catch up to the bench units chemistry? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I wish you could put a defined length of time on it, but again, I'm, I'm just going off of what happened last year and last year took two months, mm. you know, for, for that group to really start clicking two plus months. Um, why? So if, why, if, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I think why, it's different. Why is a very good question. I Everybody think it's different types of players. Everybody was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think it's because of stylistic differences between, you know, just maybe how Jordan McLaughlin wants to push the ball and the way D'Angelo Russell runs an offense? Is that part of it? Is, I, see, well, I, I, mean, I don't have know, that much of a problem out there. I, I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's D'Lo. I, I don't I, think I don't think it is either. By the way, I, I think it's I think it's just like if you are Torian Prince, right? Like you kind of know that you are getting paid to do exactly that. It's not going Torian Prince's year is not going to be viewed as a failure if he averages five and a half points a game this season, right? Right. There is more right. individual pressure on all five guys in the starting lineup. I would say even Jaden McDaniels, who's clearly fifth on, in the pecking order there, like he even wants to show more this year too, right? So, so right. there's this idea individually with all of them that I think they have to fight, but it's human nature that like Carl's like, I got to get mine. And it's like, I, you know, Ant, Ant tried to kind of be more passive in the opener, right? And then we're like, Ant, come on, like, where's the joy? Yeah, where's you, the ant? Where you, you know? doing? Yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It is just harder when you are, I, I think, for four, five players who are more, you know, offensively bent on being that have a history of just being higher usage guys. Like Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, Jordan McLaughlin's not that. Torian Prince is not that. Right? Like Jalen Noel can be that. Uh, Nas kind of just benefits from from playing around you know, more, more yeah. passive players. So I think it's, I think it's as much, a, I don't know, like a mental sort of thing uh, as anything, because, you know, as Ant said, it's just like with that group, we don't care as much about passing the ball. Right. And yeah. it's, it's just, yeah. it's just kind of more an ethos of sharing. Yeah. And what's interesting, especially as it relates to Carl is you can definitely kind of see when, when Carl is, trying to get his out there mm -hmm. um you saw it friday night a lot too especially you know as he was trying to dominate that game in the, in the final moments in overtime um but carl one of the ways that carl could get his that he's not doing and finch referenced this last night he's not taking a lot of three-pointers we thought that this was going to be you know the year where carl was going to let it fly right. from three-point range um you know, and it seems like he's falling more into the pattern of where he was last year, which is maybe some nights he he takes a lot, but last night, you know, only three. Um, now he thirty minutes didn't. I mean, didn't play his full complement of minutes, but that's still thirty minutes where he took only three three point attempts. Um, so, you know, it, it's. I, I wonder if that's going to change, or if if you know we're just kind of stuck with that with Carl where it's like the way he's going to get his is how he's always going to get going to get his right. and not necessarily take more volume from three see I, I think it's not it's for sure Carl but I think it's not only Carl right because we had the same sort of 
thing with Carl last year where it's like, man, feels like he could shoot more threes, right? But the Wolves yeah. as a team were third and three Did point shoot a lot. You yeah. know, they were. And right now, again, three games in the season, they're twentieth in the league in three point volume. They're they're not making as, as many, and you know, oftentimes shooting more threes is often a product of having made threes earlier. They've started slow from three in a, a handful of these games. Yeah. But it is Carl one, and then it's other things too. Actually, I asked Finch about that after the game. Um, let's let's play yep. that clip here. Chris, you, you mentioned earlier uh, that there's more threes to be found in the offense. Uh, yeah. where, where would you would you like to without forcing them? Well, I mean, you know, I'd like to see Chat, you know, take way more than three a game. Um, you know, I think that's a spacing thing too. Sometimes they get caught in between, not necessarily posting, you kind of roll a half switch. Um, you know, if he gets back out on the floor for the driving kick opportunities, uh, I think those will find him. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought we turned, I thought Jaden turned down a couple of good looks. Uh, you know, I thought, uh, even Ant turned out much early, but uh, he, he has driving game going, so I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, and you know, Jalen Noel's got to find a stroke. You know, he's getting clean looks out there for us, and just not going. But we know he's a good shooter, so we feel like that'll happen. Yeah, Chris. So I, I, I think that is, you know, that's what it is. It, it requires multiple guys, and it requires yeah. multiple guys working in tandem. When, when I was talking about uh, Noel before you came on, I talked about this. What to me is standing out when the offensive possessions are working with this team is the kind of the ping, ping, ping plays where the point guard, J-Mac, D-Lo, Ant, whatever, are getting the hockey assist. And yep. you know, they're running an action. It's a quick swing. And then it's back to Rudy for a dunk. Right. Or 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 for, you know, Torian Prince for a three or something like that. And what I think the first unit is not doing as much is the ping, ping, ping. And and that's because. That's because Torian Prince to be able to score needs to be it needs to be in a three layer action, right? Like he's not yeah. he can't independently create for himself as well as Carl or Ant or Delo can for themselves. They, it doesn't even need to be ping ping, right? Like they they can just go right. self create in that sort of way. So what I think I'm trying to get at is this idea that they, even though they're individual dominant scorers or can be they need to play within a team concept and know that from time to time they're going to get their scores easier when they just happen to fall as the third link in that chain it's it's way too much one pass no passes i i think with the with not just the starting group but groups that were that include three or four of those starters yeah, no, no, you're right, and I'm just envisioning kind of how the offense is running, and, and you know, the thing I'm just, I'm flashing back to in my mind is, okay, I see somebody coming off of a screen that, that Gobert is setting, mm -hmm. um, and that's, and when I think about the first team offense, that is, that is predominantly what I've been thinking of, and it's something that we noticed, you know, in that last preseason game, um, and I don't know that they've fully gotten away from that. Mm -hmm yet where that becomes just the main driver of, of what they're doing or, or sometimes the only thing that they're doing on possessions. Um, you know, one thing I'll say about the shot mix, um, you know, the, the three pointers, we, they are, they are right now averaging through three games against small sample size and all that. They're averaging 10 more shots in the restricted area than they were mm. 
a season ago. That's a good. Start. So that's maybe that's something to look out for. There, there are thirty-eight point three field goal attempts in the restricted area, which right now is second only to New Orleans um, in the league. They they came in about seventh last year on twenty-eight a game. Um, so you know the, the at least they're taking more. You know they're not. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, right? Range. They're going to the right. We're seeing Ant drive a lot more. We're seeing Rudy at the rim, um, you know. So it does make sense that that's happening. But it it is about sort of you know finding that balance, right? And and like this, that's why this isn't like five alarm fire or anything. It we knew this was going to happen. We knew it would probably be even clunkier given the fact that this group played together as a whole so little, not only in preseason but but in training camp and. I'm just how how long does that remain a good excuse? Because right now I, I think know. it does. I don't know. You know, I, well, I, I think as long as you're still winning, you know, <laughs> it, it, you, you could use it as an excuse. But yeah. if, if you start to if you start to go on a four or five game losing streak, especially against this schedule, um, then it doesn't become a good excuse. But you know, I, I think once you emerge from this soft part of the schedule. Right. Um, and you will presumably have a, a decent record on the other end of it, and the competition starts to ramp up a little bit. Then you can't really use that as an excuse anymore, because um, you've had several game reps under your belt to try and figure things out before you start playing really good competition. And you know, one of the reasons why maybe that fourth quarter lineup was able to work last night was because they're playing Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. who was at the time also down Shea Gilders Alexander and Josh Giddy. So. Right, you know, take it with a take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> all the all the grain of salts there. Uh... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, let's, uh, Chris, let's, let's, let's transition over kind of to um, the other side of the ball uh, a little bit. Um, we knew this was going to be a big part of, you know, the, the transition of the, the cat and go bear experiment. Um, I know I did. I think we all did kind of make a big deal about this idea of needing to run different coverages when Kat and Rudy yep. are on the floor. Um, though, admittedly, I don't think that's been 
the primary issue with with the defense thus far this season. Um, there there are certainly times, you know, I, I noticed one like literally the first possession after Rudy checked out of the game and and Carl's up in the high wall and that was actually Jalen Noel who didn't rotate over because now he has to be the low yep. man, whatever. Like those things are happening occasionally, but I don't know if you agree with this, but for me, the the primary defensive issues have been far more about getting back in transition and not only getting back yep. in transition, but like picking someone up. You know, there's been so many times where it's like late to pick up your guy. So it kind of leads to a little bit of a scramble. And now you have a cross match and you have D'Lo on Laurie Markkinen or or somebody like that. And um, it feels like they have a lot more to work out just in the kind of basics of defensive concept before we start really getting into the minutia of toggling between concepts with with Carl and Rudy Finch's side as much. Right, right, because because what difference does it make if you're starting the defensive yeah. possession all all out of sorts, <laughs> exactly. no matter what scheme, no matter what scheme you're playing? Um, to your point, um, they're allowing 20 fast break points a game, which is 26th in the league. Not great, Bob. Three games, not great, Bob. Um, you know, and the other the other thing that crept up Friday night was was the rebounding. So it's two very familiar problems that are playing yeah. them um it is the transition defense and it's the it's the rebounding even with gobert in there uh getting 15 plus boards a night um you know you would think for a team that's as athletic and, and fast as the timberwolves are that they could sort this out but you know i i wonder what goes into you know just the transition aspect of you is, is it are they a second slow to think like oh crap i gotta find my guy you know quick quicker here or you know i'm not sure what goes into that what do you think goes into poor transition defense that becomes habitual yeah well i I think this has been a through line not of just last not even the the transition but the defensive rebounding as well right like this is a was a through line of last season and even if you go back before i remember you know saunders last year here too like that getting back in transition and picking someone up was was such a major problem uh, as well then. And, you know, you look for common denominators, right? And the common denominator of the guys who are playing are Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And I, I think both of them have, I mean, we could find clips here and there where it's them who are the one who are not getting back and picking someone up and, and transition defensively, or it's them who are not, you know, doing the exact right things to rebound. But I don't think it's all of them. I think it's like, it feels like it's something that's attached to maybe the way that those guys play, maybe offensively and how they transition back in some sort of way. But the through line again is for these this issues, these issues that have existed for like three years now, transition defense and defensive rebounding, that that those are the same guys. So I I, I can't perfectly articulate it, but I think it's something tied to playing with Cat and D'Lo, and I don't know, maybe that's a more pick-and-pop centric offense, so that doesn't really make sense. You should you should be more yeah. back in that sort of way. Uh, you know, defensive rebounding-wise, it's like, I feel like Carl is like an elite rebounder for his zone. Like, if it's mm-hmm. in his area, he's going to get it outside of his zone. Um, I don't think he's a, a an elite rebounder, um, but I don't know. It's I guess it's something we'll have to see more of and look at more of. But it's it's a bit surprising 
particularly the defensive rebounding issue, that that is still an issue when you've had Rudy Gobert? Well, the defensive rebounding, I, I can I can see that a little easier than I can, uh, I think, diagnose the, the transition defense. And I, I just see when a shot goes up, nobody, um, mm-hmm. except for maybe Rudy, is looking, you need, I include Carl in this even, nobody is looking for their man. Yeah, Nobody is looking for the guy they need to box up. They are all watching the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been the biggest thing that, that they do. Um, incorrectly in my view is instead of instead of trying to have an eye both on the ball and whoever you need to block out you're just watching the ball so you know guys are coming up from behind and evading the quote-unquote box out which really isn't right. happening um that that happens all the time um I've, I've noticed um and you know Ant had 11 rebounds last night you can see him to get better in that department um that last night was a was a good sign if you if you if you take that total um but just in general it, it just it happens over and over again and there's um, something demoralizing about that right? transition yeah yeah there's something demoralizing about that it's like okay you, you know and, and they spoke about it last year you get a possession you get you force a miss right and now all of a sudden you know an offensive rebound comes and again the defense might be scrambled up and all of a sudden pass pass open three thing and you know a team gets a three-pointer when it should have ended a possession without any points so yeah uh happened a lot in the utah game and and i, I you could see fitch over on the bench after every instance it happened just like doing that thing where he like just throws his head back and you know puts his arms in the air a little bit and you know it, it, like clockwork that's his reaction every time a, a second chance three-pointer goes down yeah, I, I think, and right, uh, the the most obvious example of this from last season is is the Memphis series in the playoffs, where they got demoralized by Brandon Clark and others getting offensive rebounds, and I think it like it kind of spurs this negative energy that leads to just a, a frustration, right? Like you're frustrated you didn't mm-hmm. get the defensive rebound, and then you know if if you're Carl, you didn't get the defensive rebound, they they put it back in, and you know Carl, and now you have the ball on the other side of the floor, and you think you get fouled and you don't get the whistle, like your, your anxiety is already up. Right. Your frustration anxiety is already up. And, um, you know, so then, then that's going to lead you to do the, the turn to the ref sort of thing and express your discontent. And then the team's going the other way. So I do think the more we talk about this, that I think it starts with defensive rebounding that then leads to poor transition mm-hmm. defense, which which you know leads to this this sort of anxiety, and now the team's on a run, and that seems like yeah. what has happened in the third quarter of pretty much every game, but particularly these these two Thunder games, where it's just like one or two offensive rebounds early in the third, and they get that demoralized, they get that that anxious energy. Yeah. Carl and others start complaining, and then bam, nine point lead is gone, right? And yeah. and and that is like. That is the biggest thing that needs to change. I mean, tonight when we're at Target Center, it's going to be halftime. We're going to be walking back to our seats. We're going to be like, okay, what's this going to be like in the first six minutes of the third quarter? Because it has been a perennial issue thus far this season. Yeah. And and, and you're right, too. It, it kind of feeds on itself in a way. This team is, you know, as we saw in the playoffs and as we're seeing early on, they are, they are prone to letting things snowball a little bit on yep. them. And 
they don't they don't put their foot down and try to stop things before they you know they can't really refocus in the moment it seems they have they have a lot of trouble just okay we gave up two straight baskets or or three straight baskets now we need a, a good solid offensive possession mm-hmm. followed by a good solid defensive possession it seems that without a timeout or whatever they're they're even you know with the timeout they're they're they have trouble doing that just refocusing themselves on the task at hand and that's one of the biggest things i notice it's like you see the run coming everybody sees it coming and then they allow it to happen um you know and i I don't know where that where that changes or or who can singularly change that on the floor i think i think sometimes rudy gobert has tried to change that and i think in the first oklahoma city game he did a pretty good job of kind of singularly changing the mood and momentum of of a game um but they can't rely on rudy to be that that guy yeah it, it it does have to be all five and we did ask Finch about this after the game. Here's here's Finch on the the bad starts to the third quarter here thus far this season. What seems to fall off in your mind um, in those first few minutes of the third quarter? Um, well, we just we don't we don't score it. You know, we missed a bunch of shots and again missed a layup that you know he was making just flipped out on him. Um, we probably don't have quite the same you know uh, zip to our offense coming out of the third. Uh, you know. Maybe it's early season legs. Sometimes when you exert, I thought the second quarter was really fast. Like I was watching our guys run up and down the floor at one point. And I know they were really tired. So sometimes when you know coming out of halftime, you, after you've sat for a little bit, it's really hard to find that second wing. Maybe that's it. Uh, but you know, we, we responded. We you know we knew they were going to come back and make a little bit of a run. I think what we got to do a better job is protecting our, our first first half leads like that we're building. Those are the ones that, you know, we, if we had a little bit better cushion sometimes, I think we'd be uh, able to sustain some of that. That, to me, Chris, sounds like a guy who's pretty befuddled as to why this has been an yeah. issue, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He was both he was both trying to uh find ways to prevent it and find ways to deal with it within the same answer. It's like, well, if this is gonna be our team, maybe we should just lead by more coming into the coming into the second half. Um I, I'm flashing back to a, a, a possession last night. Um I think Oklahoma City got it down to five or four and kind of to to what Finch's point was. I remember an I remember an offensive possession um where it was basically just like D'Lo dribbling for a little bit. Uh, there's a screen set, and then D'Lo just takes a three from the top of the key. That was, you know, in, in a key moment of the game where Oklahoma City was cutting into the lead, that was the offensive possession that they came up with. It was not mo- no movement. It was just kind of D'Lo just kind of dribbling around, and then he takes us. Uh, what was, I think, a, a decently open three-point attempt, but still, there was not a, a lot of ball movement. There was not a lot of work or making the defense work right. and then he he clanks the three and Oklahoma City's coming down to cut it to to like four or three or something like that that that's um, not having that ping 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 we're talking about right it's like correct, it's correct it, and it's not just D'Lo um I actually yep. think he's probably of the starters been the one that's looked for offensive flow the most but when that lead does start evaporating and you're thinking to yourself like we need a bucket it is human nature instinctually if you're D'Lo or Ant or Carl to be like, okay, we need a bucket. I'm just going to go get it. Right. And, and the reality of the situation is particularly when the rhythm isn't there, that's just, those aren't going to be as high percentage of shots as if you were just 
if they could just rely on the flow a little bit more, right? And I understand that that's easier said than done. If I'm being honest, like the, I feel like sometimes this team is like a little over reliant on that Finchian flow that they're they're trying to have. I'd like to see them kind of have like two or three almost set plays that you're like, okay, things are clunky right now. We can call this play right here, and we know it's going to get us into that flow. It's like a little bit of structured flow, and and a lot of times, yeah, I think this flow is. It's too a little bit too much like existential artwork here, you know. There needs to be a little bit <laughs> yeah. more structure. It feels a little, a little more. Just yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's like in, in key moments where okay, we go to this set and we just we just run it and see what mm-hmm. do we get off of that, and then you flow into it. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a good point that we're, we're so you're so reliant on kind of finding that that happy medium where you just kind of lock into the the rhythm of of the offense and and Ben just talked about this too he's like you know sometimes the, the offense goes is perfectly in rhythm and then there are other times where you know it, it gets out of whack and then it's almost like it's a cyclical thing sometimes with the offense and he wants to run that you know even even after you've found a rhythm it doesn't always mean you're going to keep keep it um so I, I think you're right. And it plays into maybe what we were, like you said, what we were talking about before is like, you know, especially in those key moments, you know, people are trying to get theirs and then they're going to say, all right, I'm just going to ISO my way into a, into a shot attempt or into a bucket because, you know, if I do this, then, you know, we'll stop the run and we'll, and, you know, we'll be, we'll be back on solid footing, but it doesn't always work out like that in those moments. Yeah. They got some things ironed out there that's i think that goes without saying and i think again some of that was to be expected um with a a very new dynamic to the team um and and yeah not having been able to play a lot together in the preseason uh we'll we'll get to see it again tonight in theory this is something that is marginally growing night overnight they seem to feel that it is as we've talked to the players like that there is some small morsel of growth in all of these elements game over game i don't we don't know um, how how fast it will be. The uh, the the last thing I wanted to hit on, Chris. And I know we kind of already touched on this with that with that five man lineup, but is is just Nas Reed. Uh, he he yep. was the center on the floor uh, in in the small ball lineup with no Cat or Rudy on the floor. That Reed Prince Edwards Noel McLaughlin lineup played for a five and a half minute stretch there in in the second half against Utah on Friday. They outscored the Jazz by six in those minutes, kind of keeping the Wolves alive. And then Finch goes back to that lineup with Nas and and the smaller group last night. And uh, they play for six minutes and win those six minutes by, by 12 points. Uh, We've we've already kind of talked about the ethos of that group, but to, to focus a little bit more on Nas Reed, who I think has had the biggest question mark next to the idea of, of what his role is. um, What, what do we, what do we think about what that, that role will be? Obviously right now, well, with Kyle Anderson hurt, sounds like he won't play tonight against the Spurs as well. Is that where kind of you, you see the openings coming for Nas when maybe a, a Kyle Anderson or Torian Prince or even Jaden McDaniels were kind of more the fours missed time? Yeah, but but also Nas was playing the five last night. <laughs> I know, too, yeah. You know, like <laughs> how much can we expect? So like, for- like it, it doesn't sound that long to say a five and a half minute stretch or a six minute stretch, yeah. but that's that's a stretch with 
all five of those guys out there. So it's not the, it's not right. just, you know, I, I don't know, those minutes. I, I don't think they're going to be able to designate six minutes a night to Nas small ball five lineups. I just don't think that's I don't think that's right. something they will do, whether or not we we or the listeners think that's a realistic thing. You're not going to do no, that I, when you have cat. You're on. right. Right. And, and that was that much emerged from the post game chats last night as well. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we were not really also seeing Nas at the four minutes mm-hmm. as well either. I mean, he didn't play at all, if I recall correctly, in that first game. Yeah, um, I, I think I think in the Jazz game, and I don't 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 quote me on this, but I think what happened was he went out there for like a minute or two. I think it was next to Rudy, and then Rudy right, subbed yeah. off, and I think maybe Noel came in or something, and then that's how it got yeah. small. But, you know, if, if Nas has played, you know, 40 minutes thus far this season, I think probably only two or three of those minutes have come at the the quote unquote four. So, right. so yeah, maybe the end, like Finch did suggest, it's like, well, you know, Anderson's banged up. So maybe this does open up a role for Nas. But no, you're, you're right. Where Nas has been having success has not been at the four. Um, it's been at the five. And that goes back, you know, three, four years, too. They've never really trusted Nas at the four. And whenever Nas has been good over the course of his career, it has been at the five. Right. It's something, it's something that we, we joke about even going back to like yeah. Brian's days. It's like we, we, we parentally ask the question every so often, Hey, how do you feel about playing Nas and Carl together? And it's always <laughs> like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get them. And Finch does this too. We gotta get them more minutes together. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And then it never happens. Right. Like we all, it's always something that's often talked about, never actually done in practice because for one reason or another they're you know they're defensively whatever they're just hesitant to pull the trigger on that for an extended period of time so Um, do we think another big so do we think that maybe if we go off of past seasons and didn't do it often the only center you could have played nas next to is cat right so maybe the belief is the cat nas pairing doesn't work but at least it's a different look if it's Rudy and Nas at the four would would you agree maybe that's the best place to play Nas at the four if you're going to do that I don't know I don't know because I feel I, I feel like we were talking a few weeks ago when Nas was in the priest when we were talking about Nas in the preseason mm-hmm. and how he can was more of a facsimile of what Rudy can do so it makes almost more sense to play him with Carl yeah. because <laughs> of his ability because because of his ability to roll yeah um which is what Carl doesn't have that Rudy has. So if you have played Nas and Rudy together, is it more of a redundancy? Now, you know, Nas has shooting ability as well, so he could space the floor if you put him out there with Rudy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's that as well. But we also were kind of talking about, does he fit better with Carl because he can, he, he's such a good roller. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer Chris, is. Chris, I, I think um, what we're getting at is, is that if there, the reality of the situation, I think, is if there's not an obvious place and pairing to put him i don't think chris finch will do it and yeah i i think that could mean tonight that um maybe we don't see him at all or if we do it's it's a product of the fact that kyle anderson is out and and not like because it's something they're they're really committed to i i I don't again i don't know because i don't like gun in my head i don't even know which one i would pick is better Nas and Cat or Nas and Rudy, like if we until we know those things and really feel like one of those tandems has a real chemistry, I don't think we will see Finch go to it consistently. 
correct. And, and, and he said as much that, you know, there's, there's going to be nights where Nas doesn't play. Um, yep. Uh, and he said that repeatedly. I think that's, that, I think that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And Nas, to his credit, um, we asked him about those comments and he was very, I think he answered it perfectly where he's mm-hmm. like, He's like, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, this team supports me. My teammates support me. Everybody around here believes in me. And so, you know, I'm ready to go whenever I'm called upon. Um, very, you know, the, kind of the, the, the perfect thing that you should say in a moment like that. Or, you know, it's got to be tough for him, though, question. man. It's got to be tough. Yeah, it's got to be tough because he has shown he, mm-hmm. he, he can have a role in the NBA. Well, it's just got to um, be a trip a to be like, too. it's got to be a trip to be like, man, I was playing like when I was a, my second year in the league, I was playing, you know, 25, 26 minutes a night often. And now I feel like I'm significantly, I know just from talking to Nas that he feels like he's a significantly better basketball player now than he was two years ago. And now it's like, (laughs) you might get 26 minutes over the course of a month, you know, like he is going to really need to, what you talked about, like have that patience. He said, he's learned from J-Mac there of like, cause that, that was J-Mac's arc, right? Where, Yep. He just never really consistently had that role, even though the the numbers hinted at it. It felt good with J-Mac out there. But when you are, both of them, you know, there's a pedigree thing. You are an undrafted player. Both of them start in a two-way. You, like, absolutely, absolutely have to, like, earn your space to get that consistent role because the salaries, in many ways, dictate so much of who does and, and doesn't play in the league. So... I mean, I guess just here's to hope that Nas can be uh, patient, but it'd be it'd be silly if we ignored the fact that Nas was largely really good in the preseason, and then last night was 14 points in like I don't even know, seven nine minutes or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. He's flashed. He's flashed enough to 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 suggest the idea that that he could be uh, a weapon for this team going forward. 100. Um, percent And again, credit to him for yeah. For being that ready to just you know not know when you're going to be coming into a game, which can be a, a thing for a lot of guys. You don't have a set routine. You don't have a you know a way to stay loose or warm on the bench or, sure. or what have you. And he came in and and showed what he's got. He did. Well, Chris, uh, we'll, we'll get to see here in a few hours uh, what it, what it yes. does look like tonight against the Spurs. And then again uh, on Wednesday, not just for Nas, but this group as a whole. I, I do think it's given they're just growing uh, right now, getting growing a chemistry together and growing slowly. Like, um, you know, when does when do the drips into the cut, cup start to to overflow? said last year it was two months. I, I don't think this team can afford it to be two months again this season. Yeah. So that does that does need to be expedited. But Chris, you will be uh you'll be tracking all that for the Star Tribune, um, writing about this team on a daily basis. Obviously you all know you can read Chris's work at the Strib. You can follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. Uh Chris, I will I will see you this evening. Yep. See you later, Dan. All right, he's uh he's Chris at Christopher Hine on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I will be back to talk to you next uh, with Jace Frederick on on Wednesday. Uh, so so look for that in your feed before the second um, Spurs game. We'll keep tracking this team. Thanks again to Chris, and until then. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.